ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Ramona Shelburne, you're here to tell us about someone we should know pretty well, but for whatever reason, we don't. And that's NBA Finals participant Nikola Jokic. It's almost impossible to talk about him, Ramona, without at least mentioning that he doesn't have and never has had, and I want to say this as delicately as possible, the prototypical pro-athlete's body. <laughs> What's the reputation of Jokic's physique or even his athleticism around the league? So Nikola Jokic has this reputation, and, and probably um, it was well-founded in the beginning because he came over and his reputation was as you know, kind of a flabby guy. He played very slowly, and, and uh, the pace that he would, he would play the game at didn't necessarily mean he needed to be in phenomenal shape. Um, early in his career, he, he tended to play his way into shape, which is a euphemism that we have in the league of, uh, that's what training camp is for. Right. <laughs> that is what the first quarter of the season is for, is to get into shape. And, you know, that can work if you want to have an average NBA career or, or even an above average NBA career because he was so skilled. But his first few years in the league, he was he was not known as a workout fiend. Hmm. A lot of his his coaches in Denver would say you were kind of hard on him and say, "Come on, man! Well, you know you gotta you gotta tighten up a little bit. You gotta you gotta take this seriously." And he, I, I think he understood what they were saying, but until he saw the evidence that what he had been doing in the past wasn't working, he wasn't going to change. Okay, so in your piece today about Jokic, you mentioned in a game that he did receive that evidence. It was in 2019, Jokic's first season as an all-star. The Nuggets were in the Western Conference semifinals against the Portland Trailblazers. What happened there? This series is a war. What a spin move. Oh, oh CJ! That was rude. Jokic between the wickets. Oh, and a finish from Millsap and one. Wow! Jamal Murray for three. He's got it. It's seven games. Every single one of them is hotly contested. Jokic goes to work on Tanner. Scores at the rim. Just a beast. Lillard in rhythm. It's game time. Another one. He's got 12. Jamal Murray finds Jokic. Look at this pass. Harris goes to reverse. Oh, come on, Gary Harris. How did he do that? Game three goes four overtimes. Three seconds to go. Cantor on Murray now with two. With one. Murray for the win. Can't bank it in. Four overtimes for the first time in the NBA playoffs since 1953. And Jokic plays 64 minutes. Like, 64 and change, by the way. It wasn't even just 64. I'm not rounding up. And he averages 42 minutes in the series. He plays great, leads them in every category. But by the end of the series, they have a game seven and they lose it in heartbreaking fashion. Jokic against Lillard, long three-pointers up. Misses, rebound, Turner. Turner's gonna dribble it out. And that'll do. The Portland Trailblazers are going to the conference finals for the first time since 2000. And everybody kind of looks around at the in the locker room and says, you know, good season. We, we were right there. We could have won. But Jokic looked around the locker room, looked at what happened in that series and felt like this was on him. 
I mean, they look at me as a leader. They look at me as um, their best player. So I feel some. I feel responsible just uh, because uh, I mean, no, I miss. I think I miss a lot, a lot of shots. As good as he was, as great as he had been that that year and that series, he didn't have enough gas left when his team needed him to make that final push in the second half of Game 7 against the Trailblazers. So the coaches are huddled in their locker room and they're going over everything. They hear a knock at the door and it's Jokic. And he's emotional, right? He's been thinking about what, what happened. He's totally spent and exhausted from the series. But he looks at the coaches and he says, this one's on me. This is my fault. I could have done more. I should be in better shape and I'm never going to let this happen again. And David Edelman, who's the offensive coordinator, I suppose, for the for the Denver Nuggets, said he just, you know, he got almost emotional just re- thinking about this scene because, you know, he had just gone in there to say, hey, man, you you did everything for us. Like, you had given everything you had to us in this series. And the fact that he had felt that, that he felt that he wore down, that he knew there was another level of fitness and conditioning that he could push himself to is how he really starts to change and become the player that you see today. The NBA Finals start tonight, and Denver's two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic, will finally get to play on the league's biggest stage. It's been quite the journey for Jokic, evolving from a Serbian soda-chugging teenager, dad bod in full effect, to the lean, elite athlete that has the Nuggets on the verge of their first NBA title ever. Today, Ramona Shelburne explains how even with the lights shining brightest, and a title within his reach, stardom is the last thing on Jokic's mind. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Thursday, June 1st. This is ESPN Daily. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel, you have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country, You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ramona, I want to take you back to the beginning of the Nikola Jokic story before the draft night where he was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. (laughs) And to be specific to those who like the fast food chain, it was a quesarita commercial. A delicious cheesy quesadilla wrapped around a beefy burrito. The new quesarita from Taco Bell. That's right. Where did Nikola Jokic come from (laughs) and how was he discovered? I mean, you could call him a late bloomer. I don't even know if that's the right way to phrase it because he he really was talented as soon as he started playing. I mean, it was almost 
like he's a savant at the game. And you can go back and trace it to playing other sports, maybe to just his lineage. His older brothers played basketball. But Yusuf Nurkic told me he played against him in the Adriatic League. And he goes, he was the same player back then. Yeah. He was a great player back then. He just, you know, was kind of young and inexperienced. You had to watch him very closely to really see how brilliant and how great of a player he could be. You had to have that vision. Uh, he got overlooked initially. He was just seen as a, a pudgy guy. He was tall. He had some some good skill. It could be something someday if he ever came over and got into shape and and developed at the right in the right way. But in terms of are you going to spend a first round draft pick on a player like that? The answer was no. And that's how the Denver Nuggets found themselves in position to draft him 41st overall in 2014. Now, he didn't come over that first year. He played again in the Adriatic League. And he played so much better that next year that I think he probably would have been a first-round draft pick oh, really? if he was still eligible in that draft. But, it, you know, it took a leap of faith. It took somebody with some vision to watch him play and say, you know what, that skill set might translate. Yeah, it sounds like some height with a great basketball IQ, but there was way too many question marks to really trust what he can become. So when he did first get here, what did some of the other players think about this kid from Serbia? Yeah, well, Yusuf Nurkic had, had come over first. With the 16th pick in the 2014 NBA draft, the Chicago Bulls select Yusuf Nurkic. From Tuzla, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. He last played for and Nurkic kind of put his arm around Jokic and said, hey, you know, I went through this whole thing of coming over to the United States and what life in the NBA is like. And, you know, they, they both go to this camp that was organized by Jameer Nelson. And Jameer, Jameer was in you know, 2015. He was a veteran. He had a couple years left in the league. But his, his value to the team was as much for the veteran leadership as it was for whatever he was going to do as a point guard at that stage. And Jokic, who's never played in the NBA before, who's just barely came over from Serbia, decides to go to this camp. Think about the context of this camp. He's a late second round pick with limited English, uh, a body that... It doesn't look like he should be playing in the NBA. And he's out here with a bunch of veterans get, trying to get ready for training camp when he, it's no sure thing that he's even going to make the team. Right. Towards the end of the week, Tim Connolly, who was the general manager of the Nuggets at the time, calls Jameer and he goes, hey, you know, how's the, how's the camp going? How's everyone look? And Jameer goes, you know, I like the foreign kid. If he, if he gets himself in shape, like he could be really good. He's, he's got incredible skill. And I think when Jameer told Tim Connolly, hey, this kid's really good. We should take a look at him. That's really when the validation of the scouting report and the idea that this player might be something for the Nuggets as part of their rebuild going forward hit. And it didn't take long once they got to camp for everyone else to start to see. Well, you mentioned Yusuf Nurkic, mm -hmm. and that's his former teammate in Denver who'd since been traded to Portland. What was his role in Jokic's development early on? Nurkic was a second-year player, and he had a good rookie season. It was a tough adjustment for him because he didn't have the kind of family support that Jokic had. He came over by himself. He sort of 
you know, he he phrased it to me. He's like, you know, they just kind of dumped me in Denver and said, figure it out. <laughs> he didn't have all the English yet. And it was a tough culture shock, especially for a teenager. Um, and he really was his, like a big brother to him. He, he, he put his arm around Nicola. They knew each other, you know, one's from Bosnia, one's from Serbia. Um, they're both play center. And pretty early on, you know, they, they formed a bond. But Jokic had a lot of family support too. His brothers were there. His girlfriend moved over. She had come over first to play volleyball in Oklahoma. And then as soon as he came to Denver, she moved in with him and his two brothers. And so, you know, they get on the court and, and it, pretty soon it's obvious like, okay, we have two seven-foot centers who both play at a certain pace. And in the modern NBA, one of them is going to have to start and one's going to have to come off the bench. And Nurkic had already established himself in the league, so he started initially. But then he gets hurt, and Jokic, when he gets in the game, does really well. And it comes to a point where, like, they they can't play them together. Nurkic is kind of feeling like, you know, uh, what's my role? What's, what's his role? How is this going to work? And Jokic could see how much him starting was affecting Nurkic. The idea that he had supplanted his friend in the starting lineup. And so he goes to the coaching staff and he goes, you know, I, I don't need to start. Just just have Nurkic start. We can we can play together or he can start. I'll come off the bench. We don't need to do it like that. I want everybody to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, just think about it. This is a rookie second round draft. That never happens. Who remotely. has not established himself in the league. To just say like, I just... I don't need to start. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, Jameer Nelson knew about it. I don't think Nurkic knew that Jokic was the one who offered to give up his starting role until I told him. I, I guess I was the bearer of that news. Um, <laughs> and he was a little surprised by it, but he goes, you know, we, we did talk, you know, he, uh, you know, Nurkic said, don't worry about it, man. You know, we, we both want to be on a team that wants us, that believes in us. Like, I'll, you know, I could ask for a trade. And he ends up asking for a trade and they find a, a good deal with the Portland Trailblazers eventually. But, you know, Jokic is the kind of guy that he he truly did not care about starting. Right. It didn't matter to him. He was going to play the same way, whether he was starting or coming off the bench. And I think it just kind of set the tone for what kind of player and leader he was going to be on this team from a very early stage in his career. Well, you could tell right there that Jokic was at least a loyal friend. By 2019, he'd evolved from a starter into an all-star, Ramona. And two of the biggest drivers in that development were in-house with the Nuggets. So who are we looking at here? His name is Felipe Eichenberger, and he is a brawny Brazilian, okay? <laughs> Felipe and Nicole Jokic become fast friends. They live in the same area. They, You can tell that they have a, a brotherhood very quickly. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the Nuggets did a really good job finding people like Felipe, finding a, a guy, everybody calls him Augie, but his name is Augie Stojakovic. Yeah, Augie's been with the Nuggets since 2013. He's from Serbia. He played ball there. He's been a video coordinator, an assistant coach, and he's currently Denver's director of player development. He was part of the support network that Denver built around Jokic and back then Nurkic. When you get in early with a player and they learn that they can trust you, and you take the time to learn who they are. It really makes a difference because Felipe and and Augie and all the all the support staff around Jokic, they'd all been telling him, "Hey, you know, you you're really going to be something if you get in amazing condition. You're really going to be something if you change your diet and and the way you do things." And and he heard them. You have to remember he's very young still. He's still a teenager. I mean, I you know, if somebody told me when I was 21 like you need to eat, you know, non-GMO food and you can never have any beer or soda or something like, you know, I, I don't know that I would have listened at that age either. 
especially if you're having some success. And Felipe had had done enough work with him over the years in the weight room, building his strength and building his confidence as a player in the NBA, that when he made his first all-star team, when he won player of the week, when he could feel like this wasn't just going to be a solid player in the NBA, but you could really do something special and great. Hmm. And he says, you know, you, you can be an MVP. Jokic was like, what are you talking about? I, I pass more than I shoot. I'm not a selfish player. <laughs> you know, like rather than take it as a, wow, you can be something great. He took it almost as a, you can individualistically become a superstar. Right. As if past first players can't be superstars. It seemed that was his mentality. You just want to be great and and do your thing and play the way you play. And all the stuff about being a star and being an MVP and getting caught up in the debate every day on PTI or around the horn or NBA today, it doesn't have to be for you. Yeah. You know, the other day at a press conference, he said, "Did they asked him, did you watch uh, Did you watch the Celtics and Heat game? And he goes, no, I didn't watch it. I was on a walk with my daughter. And then he goes, actually, I lied. I watched the first quarter. <laughs> and then that was enough for him. That was enough for him. I see, I see what I need to see, you know? But like, I totally get that. Like, he just wants to play. Yeah. He just wants to go win. And I think Felipe understood that too. All the coaches around him understand it. Like, this is a truly humble guy. This is somebody who, in our fame cycle and in our world where we talk about stars and we build people up and then we tear them down and we evaluate them and dissect them and and we build narratives and he just doesn't want to be a part of that. Coming up, how Jokic was able to transform himself into the Joker. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. I do want to go back to that Game 7 loss in the Western semifinals yeah. at the end of 2019. That proved to be a major turning point in Nikola Jokic's evolution. How did things change for him after that season? He goes home to Serbia, and at this point, both Felipe and Augie are going over to Serbia for like a month during the offseason to help him train. Mm-hmm. You know, he's taking training very seriously. He also then starts hiring a meal delivery company, his then-girlfriend, now-wife, 
uh, helps cook for him and make exactly what he's supposed to eat. At one point, I think, you know, there was a sort of apocryphal story that that he didn't have a beer for two years. I don't know. He might have had a beer here or there, okay? okay. But the the point is he becomes incredibly self-disciplined. And, you know, as you're a, you're a workout guy, you're a diet guy, like when you're disciplined, when you're in locked in and you're in control of what you're doing, any little slip up becomes a big deal, right? Yep. So his mom would come over to from Serbia to visit and she wants to cook for him and he, he would say to Felipe, like, I don't know, can I, I don't want to not eat her food, but I, want to, <laughs> but I don't want to cheat. And Felipe's like, hey, you can have a bite. You know, it's your mom's cooking. You can, you can, you've been done really good, you know, like, don't worry just about it. Just a bite? Um, I mean, just a bite, you know, <laughs> a bite or two. I mean, you know, he, if anything, Nicola becomes more strict than he even needs to be. But they get into a rhythm and a discipline. After every game, they're going to do something. They're going to work out. They're going to lift. It, it, no matter what. Right after the game. Right after the game. Hmm. So when I caught him in Los Angeles after game four of of the Western Conference Finals, where they just beat LeBron James and the Lakers in a four-game sweep, they're going to have nine days off. <laughs> Do you know what he did after the game? Lift. A hard leg workout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I go, wait, why do you do something hard? He goes, well, we have a long break. You know, we need to keep this stamina up. Huh. I was like, okay, yeah, you do you. Uh, I mean, he is just incredibly disciplined and committed. And I think we all started to see evidence of this visually during the COVID hiatus. Hmm. And we all have forgotten a lot about 2020, but most people gained at least 10 or 15 pounds when they were stuck at home. (laughs) Jokic dropped a ton of weight because he stayed so disciplined on that diet and with his workouts when the world kind of went into, into hiding. And you saw some of the evidence of that when he comes back for the bubble right. and leads the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals. And now that we see the trimmed down, slimmed down version of Nikola that continues to evolve but stays this humble superstar, he kind of s- starts reminding you of Tim Duncan, does he not? You know, I asked him about a, an old social media post back before he deleted Twitter where he said, does anyone want to have a pickup game? You know, does anyone want to play? <laughs> it was like in 2011. And I go, well, you know, how different were you from the play, from the guy who tweeted that back in 2011? And he goes, well, do you know how hard it is to get a pickup game where I'm from? <laughs> so when you ask him questions, he he's funny, he's self-deprecating, you know, he'll make fun of his English. He goes, oh, I, I mess up when I talk too fast. And I, Actually, I understand him perfectly. He's He speaks very good English. This is, this is kind of what... Jokic is now in our spotlight and he's about to be front and center in the NBA finals in a in a way that I don't think he's ever experienced. So I'll, I'm looking forward to covering him during this. I mean, I, you know, the Tim Duncan comparison is apt in the sense that he's almost embarrassed by the attention. He sees no need for it. But Jokic, when you watch him play and you're around him, you know, he's, he's throwing passes like Pete Maravich. He's no look passing like you know, like Magic Johnson, like he's got a little, yeah. he's got a little flavor to him, right? To his game. He's certainly not emotionless. He certainly shows yeah. some joy out there on the floor. He shows some anger out there on the floor. I think of the uh, Markeith Morris incident a couple years ago. Yep. Nuggets have five on four. And Jokic, oh, oh no! So Morris banging Jokic first. They'll take a look at this. Extenuating circumstances, perhaps, Jokic returning the favor. I'm wondering, will he ever start acting like the best basketball player in the world? No, I think he's just going to be him. 
You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo got a lot of attention for what he said after the season about it not being a failure, mm-hmm. right? Just because they didn't win. Um, I think Jokic has that same groundedness, that same humility that his life is not all about basketball. Basketball is very important. He is incredibly dedicated, obviously, to his craft and his team. But the day the season is over, whether they win or lose, he will be on a plane back to Serbia. And then he will be on his farm, taking care of his horses, cleaning the stalls, like literally cleaning the stalls. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, and he will not be plugged into our world and thinking about what anybody is saying about him on the daily talk shows, on social media, or in any other place people go to amplify the attention that is just dying to focus on Nikola Jokic. Well, you had a great line in your story where you said he reads books, not his mentions, because he deleted all his social media years ago. (laughs) So he can focus on basketball, and he will be focusing on basketball when he takes the court tonight for game one. What do you expect from him? This feels like his Giannis in 2021 year, hmm. right? You've you've won two MVP awards. There's a question about whether the individual success translates to team success. There's a sort of validation you need to get from winning. I don't know that he cares about the validation. I think that's us and the narrative and the talking heads and all that. But I I I believe this guy when he says I'm all about winning. And so you know, Miami obviously has Bam Adebayo, who's going to do a great job defending him. But um, Jokic is, is sort of undefendable because he does so many things. If you try to rough him up, if you try to take away his inside game, he'll just do the Sambor shuffle, you know, the, yes. the shot that just broke the Lakers back in two different games in that series. Jokic defended by AD, sees the clock, throws up a rainbow, answered! Jokic late clock rainbow three with 250 to go. And so I think it comes down really to, you know, the Miami Heat, who absolutely nobody except for Israel Gutierrez predicted <laughs> would be in the NBA finals. Unbelievable is. <laughs> what, a, what a call, man. <laughs> we'll talk later if you want I some lotto numbers. Um <laughs> who have been the underdogs in every series who are coming off in a, uh, a war with the Boston Celtics to quote Joe Missoula. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've had no rest. They're going to have a cross country flight and then go play at altitude in game one. But this feels like Denver and Nicole Jokic are all set up to get off to a good start in these finals. Um, I have picked against the heat in every series. <laughs> I should not do that anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Clearly they they don't care about anything that is supposed to happen, but I think um I think Nikola Jokic is really one of one. I think he is a guy that uh has pushed himself to be at a different level than anybody could have ever seen, and I don't even think he's as good as he can be yet. Right. I think there's still another level that he can get to. And so I'm excited for these NBA finals. It's sort of um may not be the sexy Lakers Celtics matchup people thought they were initially going to get. But, you know, these are the two franchises that have seen some of the most consistency Mm. in the last decade in the NBA. Like, this is a stable front office in Miami, a stable coaching staff, 
the Nuggets core group of players and coaches have been together for seven years now. I mean, this is about and as stability goes in the NBA, as consistency and cohesion go, it's about as good as you get with Denver and Miami right now. Yeah. And it only makes sense that Miami's test continues to get tougher. Yes. And now they'd face a two-time MVP who, oh, by the way, finished second this year in MVP in the NBA Finals at altitude. Quite the test. Ramona, thank you so much. Thanks, Is. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.